I welcome you all again then today, those who are listening in uh, live in this service on Zoom, and then those who listen later to the recording on our WhatsApp, and those who may stumble across this on our Facebook page. We give you all a very warm welcome, and we're coming to worship our great God today, and our call to worship is found in the, in the third verse of the first song we're going to sing uh, in Psalm 50. Uh, we read in Psalm 50, the fifth verse, actually, God says, Together let my saints before me gathered be, and those who by sacrifice have made a covenant with me. We come to worship God together today in the name of Jesus Christ. We acknowledge there's no other way that we can draw near to God but through what Christ has done on the cross. And we're going to sing his praise together as we sing from Psalm 50. The opening five verses, the tune is 206, and we sing all of these five verses together. Let's praise God. The mighty God, the Lord, has spoken and did call the earth from rising of the sun to where it was. From Zion's holy hill, earth returns high above. Matchless beauty, there has shone the glory of our God. Our God will surely come. Keep silence, will not keep. If for him far will waste, great storms will round about him be. To heavens high above, he will send out his call. And also to the earth that he may judge his people Together let my saints before me gathered be Those who by sacrifice have well, let's unite in prayer and I'll lead us as we pray. Almighty God of heaven and earth, we rejoice that you are the God who rules over all, that you're the God who has made all things and that you are the God who sustains all things that you spoke and this vast universe come into being, and that day by day and moment by moment, you sustain all that happens in this world. We rejoice that you fulfilled the promise of this psalm in part when your son came into this world, born of a virgin, came into this world taking human form, that he might live and die and rise again for sinners like us. 
we thank you that he came to save. And we thank you that as we sing this song this morning, we look forward to the ultimate fulfilling of this song, when our God shall surely come. We thank you for this weekly resurrection morn, morning to remind us of the Savior at your right hand, who is ready for the hour that you as Heavenly Father have appointed from coming again to judge the living and the dead and to usher in the new heavens and earth where his people will dwell with him forever. We thank you, mighty God, that you delight in the gathering of your people, even when we gather remotely in this way. We thank you that you draw near to us to bless us as we read and hear your word, and indeed as we sing it. We thank you for your mercies to us in the week that has passed. We thank you for your provision for us. We thank you for the promise that you will go with us into this new week. We thank you that you're the God who speaks. We thank you for this wonderful word that we have, the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, to hear read and to know the voice of God. And we pray that it would be as that for all who listen today, that you would be speaking to each one of us. We thank you that you know us, that you know all our fears and our worries and our concerns. We thank you for your mercy to our land in these days. You have been kind and gracious and spurred our nation from more deaths than there could have been. How kind you have been, mighty God. And we do pray again for all those who have been touched so deeply by this pandemic. Many have lost loved ones. Many are still unwell. And we pray, mighty God, that in your great grace, many would be looking up to you, finding salvation and finding grace and help. We pray that you would forgive us our sins. Forgive us that we don't look up to you as we ought. Forgive us that we so easily look to our own strength in all the challenges of life and help us again today to know what it is to look up to you, the great and mighty God of all the earth. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to read a couple of places this morning, uh, reading our next psalm, Psalm 123. And then reading a short portion in Second Peter chapter 3. These songs that we're looking at just now in the book of Psalms, the songs of ascents, this group of Psalms beginning of 120, are all relatively short. And yet we've seen that they contain a very powerful message. And this morning we're looking at Psalm 123. This is the word of God. To you... I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough contempt. Our soul 
has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. And then a few verses in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring you, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through our apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the desolation of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Well, this morning we're looking at this 123rd Psalm, and I've given it a simple title, Look Up. Look Up. When we're going on a journey, uh, we're all, uh, we will always or often have decisions to make on that journey. Perhaps a little needle on the fuel gauge is going down towards the red zone, and you know what to do. If you're wise, uh, you look for the next service station, you pull in, and you fill up. You know what to do. Or if your car stops suddenly and you have to pull onto the hard shoulder in your journey, you know what to do. A friend to phone, the breakdown recovery to phone. You see, in the difficulties of the journey, we always know what to do. And the psalmist here in Psalm 123 is in a bit of bother. He is in some trouble and he knows what to do. In verse 1, at the, the opening line, he is addressing God in heaven. To you, I lift up my eyes. And that's what this psalm is to teach us about, lifting up our eyes, looking up to God. It was what our Lord Jesus did when he was on the journey of his earthly pilgrimage. In John chapter 17 and verse 1, we read there that he lifted up his eyes to heaven. 
And Psalm 123 is to teach us about looking up just as Jesus Christ did. I've mentioned to you before, and I do it for simply reinforcement, that these songs that were, uh, uh, that were directed by the Holy Spirit at different times in history were gathered together for a particular moment. And God was not only governing the inspiration and the breathing out of these songs at the moment they were breathed out, but he was also uh, governing how they were gathered together. And these psalms and the songs of ascent seemed to be gathered into little groups of three. And Psalm 123 is the start of the second group of three. And it's similar to the first psalm. In the first group of three, in Psalm 120, we saw there about difficulties that the psalmist was having and how that caused him to, to look to God. And now, as this second triplet begins, there is that same theme. There's, there are difficulties, and God's people are looking up to God. And that re-emphasis is a great reminder for us. This is something that we need to hear over and over. And this morning, we note three things about looking up. And the three things are, uh, I have just one word that's a question alongside looking up. First of all, looking up, when? When? It's only towards the end of this psalm that we begin to get a sense of the trouble or the difficulty that the, that the people of God were in. Those who are crying out in this psalm had a reason. In verse 3, the second part of it, you'll see, as they cried to God, they said, for we have had more than enough of contempt. And in verse 4, there is an expansion of that. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. So at the end of the song, we see the painful, persistent predicament that prompted this pleading prayer to God. They'd had their fill of something. We would say they were sick of it. There's a sense in this song that God's people were at the end of their tether. Uh, there's a repeated little phrase had more than enough. Now, we can sometimes say that little phrase in a very positive way. We've had a meal, and we just say, oh, I've had more than enough, and it's a pleasurable thing. We feel full. But here, it's not pleasurable. We know exactly what they had more than enough of. Contempt. It means ridicule, as you know. It has the idea of being looked down upon. And it seems to have gone on and on and on for God's people. And they, they felt a breaking point. We've had more than enough of it. That word contempt is then expanded in verse 4 or looked at slightly differently. It, it's, it speaks of scorn there. Uh, they were being laughed at. The scoffers were having a field day, and we know exactly who they were. By way of a general description, we're told in verse 4, those who are at ease. 
those for whom life is just a life of comfort, apparently, the proud they're, they're spoken of at the end of verse 4. However, we're not told exactly when Psalm 123 was written. We don't know when God guided the psalmist to write this. But it does fit perfectly at this point in the Psalter's composition. This part of the Psalter was particularly used by the returning exiles. And we know even from a little later on in the book of Psalms, for example, in Psalm 137, when the exiles were off in Babylon, they faced great ridicule. They were strangers amongst the people of the world. And the world laughed at them. And we read in Psalm 137 that the scoffers would say to God's people, sing us one of those songs that you people love to sing. And God's people were heartbroken. How can we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? So it fitted very, very wonderfully this moment in history. Some say that this psalm was written in the days of Nehemiah. And we know from the story of Nehemiah, he had his fill of scoffers, men like Sambalats and Tobiah. They just laughed at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was busy wanting to serve God's and seeking for the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. He was wanting to give his life for, for the purposes of God. And the people just around, they laughed at him. What are you doing building that silly wall? Even if a fox jumped in it, sure it would fall down. They were the scoffers. We find the same thing for God's people in the New Testament times. We saw not that long ago when we were looking in the book of Acts, uh, back in chapter 17 in Acts, that the apostle Paul, God's great servant, a man of great intellectual ability and uh, uh, ability to speak and explain the scriptures when he came to Athens and, the, uh, and those who were at ease in Athens. There were the scoffers and the proud, the, the, the great intellectual men that uh, sat on their hill and listening to all the ideas. And do you remember what they called Paul? They, they called him a babbler. Uh, it, it meant a little animal that went around pecking at seeds picking up a little idea here and there. Uh, and he was laughed at. And our Lord Jesus himself, wasn't he the, the brunt of, of scoffing and contempt when he walked upon this earth? You remember when he was doing his greatest work of all, when he was dying in our place, they just laughed. They poured out their contempt. If you're the son of God up there, why don't you come down? So don't be shocked, Christian, if you come under a, a barrage of contempt and scorn. In fact, the scriptures say we should count it an honor to be numbered as the followers of Jesus Christ. We can look at this psalm and see those who, who were at ease, these rich people. That happens today, actually. There are some who've got very rich at pouring scorn on Christ and his kingdom. Mr. Dawkins has sold his book in the millions, uh, just full of scorn for the, the ways of God. And the Christian can feel surrounded by this scorn when it's personal and when it comes in a wave from the world and the church of Christ. Can we not feel like the psalmist and say, we've had more than enough of it? 
And of course, we can have that feeling in other circumstances too, can't we? We've had more than enough, Lord. Maybe it's a personal burden that we've had. Maybe it's an ongoing trial and the, and the cry that comes out of our heart. Oh, more than enough. And Psalm 123 says, in your need, look up. Look up. But secondly then, look up. To whom? To whom should we look up? You see, the writer has this grace-generated reflex cry. It's not something he needs to think about. It's the automatic, emotional, heart-rending cry of the believer. To you, I lift up my eyes. He knows exactly where to look in trouble. He's not looking at himself. I can cope. Seen plenty of that, haven't we? Uh, from our, our from our political leaders, sadly, we're, we're thankful for the the, the leadership that that many give. But it's simply looking to ourselves. We can fix this. We'll have this all sorted. The psalmist is not looking to others. Somebody else will be able to fix this for me. Some people are like that with this great pandemic that the world is in. Well, we'll, we'll look to the scientists. They'll fix it. Psalmist is not looking to himself. He's not looking to others. Nor is he looking to the scoffers and saying, well, I, if I can't beat them, I, I, I'll just join with them. Nor is he looking down in despair. He looks up to God. It's the instant response of the believer's heart to you. I lift up my eyes. Isn't it extremely sad in these days when hundreds of thousands of people have died and even more been infected and affected by this virus? Oh, we're thankful we hear little reports here and there of those looking up to God, but we don't find the world clambering at our door. Tell us how to look up. And while that's sad, it is simply a reminder to us of the, of the human heart at enmity with God. And let it be a lesson for us for all our days that it takes more than outward things to turn the human heart. It takes the might and power of God. You see, the psalmist knew his God. And he knew who to run to in trouble. To you I lift up my eyes. And he had every reason to look up to his God. And the latter part of verse 1. Oh, you who are enthroned in the heavens. He doesn't even need to think about it. He knows that there's just one person to go to. There's no one else above him or beyond him. There is no one else who has the power or the ability to enable him to cope with it. And in verse 3, when the Lord's people are, are joining in, look at how they address God. Never fail to see this truth. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. 
into that one great title of God floods all the wonder of who this God had revealed himself to be. It's that word you remember that uh, it's from the verb busy to be in the Old Testament language. And it's, this is this God who has always existed, always been, and God who is and always will be. Who else could we look up to? This is the God who in love and mercy had looked down on broken, fallen humanity and has said, I'm going to make the one way that you can know me. And so they're, they're looking up to the Lord. Do we know, friends, this morning that the Lord of heaven, he is more ready and he is more willing to hear and to help us than we are to cry out to him. Look up to the Lord. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he walked upon this earth. And this psalm is about him before it is about you and me. Did you notice again, and we see it in so many of the psalms, the change in the voice between verse 1 and what follows. If you look at verse 1, to you I lift up my eyes. And as we move on in the psalm in verse 2 and following, it's the plural. Our eyes are upon you. Have mercy upon us. It moves from the one to the many. It moves from the one who is leading the worship to the people of God. I've mentioned to you before that in Old Testament times, the king was the worship leader. King David and those he had assigned, those who were part of his Davidic line and group of being used of God to give us these songs. And the king set the tone for the worship. And it's the voice of the king saying at the beginning of this psalm, to you I lift up my eyes. And as the king was leading the prayers, the people of God naturally followed his example and said, this is what we're to do. Have mercy on us. And our king is our worship leader here. And he's saying to, he's saying to us today, this is what I did when I walked upon the earth. This is what I did when I took upon myself human form to, to live and to die for sinners. And this is what I'm calling you to do. Remember the scorn that he faced. Remember the difficulties that surely in his human nature was so heavy for him. He had scorned from his own family. You remember that occasion where they, they came on one occasion to, to take him away? They, they had basically concluded he'd lost his senses. The scorn came from religious leaders. He saved others. He can't save himself. And he endured it all, looking up to his God and his Father. That's why we read it from the Gospels, going off to remote places to pray. He was looking up, Father, help me. We read him from the garden, and he's looking up to his God and his Father. Father, take this cup from me. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. Even on the cross, he was looking up, my God, my God. So today, have you had more than enough of some situation in your life? Some pressure, some difficulty, some weight upon you? Well, look up to the Lord. 
because that's what our king did. But then thirdly in this psalm, look up high. High. High are we to look up. One of the things that we really miss is but uh, having to be together in this remote way is just watching the little ones that God has brought into our church family and watching all their little manner, mannerisms and ways. And they, as we watch them, they know exactly who to go to for what. They know what parent to go to for perhaps a particular need. Uh, I know in our house, when we have a little small visitor comes, he, he knows exactly who to go to for the particular things he needs. If it's a particular type of fruit, I'm not saying it out loud because I see he's, he's nearly asleep. Uh, uh, if it's a particular type of fruit that he likes, it's stored in the fridge. He knows who to take in our house by the hand to the big white box in the kitchen. Uh, if it's to go out to the garden to play with his favorite implements, he, he knows who to take, or if it's the toys, he knows who to take. And the outstretched arms will come. I need you. And there's an obvious relationship. And there's a very obvious relationship in this psalm. It's not the relationship of a, a child uh, trying to, to work out things for themselves. You see, the psalmist is guided by God to select a very particular illustration. Verse 2. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of their mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. And the psalmist is saying, Oh God, we're just servants, and you're the God of all the earth, and our eyes are on you. It's a relationship of a servant and a master. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the one who is the same in substance and equal in power and glory with the other members of the Godhead, he, he, when he came, he took this form of a servant and all the while, while he was in this world, he was looking up to his father, ready to serve, ready for his father's provision. And look at the people's request in verse 3. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. That's how we come to God. The word mercy here is the equivalent of the New Testament word for grace. Here's the sinner coming to God for the first time. I have nothing in my hands, Lord, to bring to you. I have nothing deserving of your provision in my life. I have nothing to give in response for pardon from my sin and uh, being declared right with you. I have nothing to give in exchange for all that Jesus Christ did for sinners and I, I cast myself on you for mercy. I know you're a gracious God. Is that how you've come to God uh, for all who listen today? 
That's how God calls us to come to him, to come crying for mercy. We have nothing to give to him. Uh, we, we need everything from him. And it's how the Christian keeps coming to God. It's how the church together comes to God. We're not telling you, Lord, what to do. We cast ourselves on you. Here's the situation, God. Have mercy upon us. We know you're gracious. We know you're kind. And we cast ourselves on you. Many commentators and preachers, and I hold up my hand because I've preached in this psalm before, and I didn't get it completely right the first time. I, I think what I'm about to tell you now is more exactly what this psalm was saying. Don't worry, what I'd said before was a wider biblical truth, but just wasn't this one. Many of us have looked at this psalm and said, well, here's the servant. And uh, I know in the past I've used the, the, the illustration, maybe you've been at a, at, a, uh, at a wedding reception and you've noticed that the waiters and the waitresses are so... Uh, it's precision time, they're gathering of the plates, the serving of the food, and as you watch them, they're, they're looking with their eye across to the head waiter for the nod. They're waiting for direction. But that's not what this illustration is about. It's not these servants in their trouble just looking direction. That doesn't fit with the psalm. They're in need. They're at the end of their tether. They've had more than enough. Uh, we can read into this servants uh, too much of Downton Abbey. Uh, that's not what we're thinking about here when we're thinking of servants in the Bible. Servant in Old Testament times was someone who was devoted to their master, a maidservant devoted to her mistress and utterly dependent upon them for everything that they needed. And the waiting here, the patient waiting, is the waiting not for direction primarily, but it is waiting for provision. It's the waiting that is confident that their master will respond and give them what they need and when they need it. And our God, Christian, he knows each one of his children utterly perfectly. You and I might think we know what we need. But our Father knows exactly. And we can hold up our hands like a little child to its, to its mother or father or grandparent, whatever it might be. And we can look up with our eyes full of tears and say so confidently, O oh Lord, our hands are empty, our troubles are great. We feel the weight of it, the pressure of it. We've had more than enough, but we know what you're like, Father. We know that you're filled with love for us, for you spurred not your own son, but give him up for us all. And we just stand here and we wait for your mercy to flow because you'll know when to give it and you'll know how to give it. It's not wonderfully reassuring. Sometimes his mercy comes in 
taking away the, the situation that we've had more than enough of. And sometimes, for the glory of his name, he gives us more grace to cope and endure in the midst. If you're listening today and you're not yet a Christian, let me speak to you for a little moment. Perhaps you have trouble in your life. The desire of the God of the Bible is that in that trouble, you would look up to him. And the Bible says that there's one way only to look up to God. And it's through the one whom he has appointed, Jesus Christ, because only his death can remove the sin that separates us from God. And we're to come crying out to him, have mercy upon me. That's what the God of the Bible desires for all in our land in these days, amidst trouble, to look up to God, to turn from their sin, and to follow Jesus Christ. And Christian today, this is a song that we're to take with us in our journeys so that we'll know exactly what to do, not only amidst trouble, but amidst all the circumstances of life, we'll say with the psalmist, we'll say with our king, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Amen. Well, we're going to sing from this psalm as we conclude our worship. We sing it. Uh, all these four verses to the tune 101. And maybe you have something in particular in your heart today that will be in your mind as you are crying out to God or others that uh, you want to be praying for later. Well, here's the God who hears all who cry out through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's worship him together. I do lift up my eyes to you, the one in the heaven throne, just as the eyes of serpents were on the master's hand. Just as the maiden's eyes look up, her mistress will know. Our eyes like to the Lord our God, until him mercy shows. O Lord, be gracious now to us, for to us gracious be, because with much content we are filled with exceedingly.
From those that is exceeding our souls filled with their scorn. On tabs we also from the proud and Father, we thank you for this psalm to remind us to look up to you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you, mighty God, that we can do this in all the circumstances of our lives. And we pray, Lord, that for all who are listening into this time of worship, that whatever our circumstances that we feel that we've had more than enough of, that you would give us grace to look up and to know your gracious provision. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with Christ's church. Amen.